Good morning, Patriots, and welcome to the Patriots Prayer Podcast. I have a special guest with me today, and uh, Matt Shoemaker for Congress. So we were sitting here chatting, Matt and I, and uh, Matt's winning his race, or at least he's polling ahead. This is this is what I'm told, right? Yes, sir. And, yeah, and, we just did some we, internal polling, and we're we're pulling ahead. It's great news. Who is your who is your, who are you running against, Matt? So there are actually 13 other candidates in my race uh, in this primary. The current incumbent. Uh, is a Democrat by the name of Mr. Wiley Nickel. He actually just dropped out of the race uh, because North Carolina decided to do some redistricting. So it's now a solid Republican seat. Uh, and the Democrat decided that he didn't want to even uh, go toe to toe with us. So um, whoever mm. wins the primary effectively is going to end up winning the seat. And I'm very proud to say that we are pulling ahead. There it is, my friend. I love it. So America first candidate, right? So Yes, sir. What, what is, absolutely. What is, it seems to be a, a very big catchphrase today, right? But I'm going to be completely honest with you. We talked about this a little bit prior to coming online. Eight people put America first with the Kevin McCarthy thing. We we discussed our points of view on that, somewhat differing, but I understand your point of view. Um, but w- when I looked at that situation with Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates, uh, I looked at it from the perspective of there were eight people that were willing to take a risk and, and, and do something that nobody else is willing to do. Um, I was very surprised at some of the people that I absolutely admire um, who, who didn't, who didn't do it. Um, MTG, Laura Boebert. Um, it hurt me to my heart when I, when I, that I didn't see their names on the list, but hearing you talk about why maybe you would have probably uh, not done it in that way. Not that you wouldn't have done it or you didn't agree with it. Um, but the un- understanding of the uh, the perception of the party and that we need to put on a unified front, which is which is very very true. Um, but here's the thing: it, it seems like we, we talked a little bit about standards. The left has none. They have they have no value system. Like they are for everything, everything, everything. It, it doesn't matter. Um, they if they they both uh, back the the Islamic community and the LGBTQ community, and those people are seriously confused because they're out in the street uh, participating in the anti-Semitic gang rallies that they have going in L.A., New York, and everywhere else. Um, it's just a cesspool of just absolute lunacy in in society today uh, where our values and our standards and our ethics and our integrity, everything is kind of upside down, inside out, backwards, Um and it seems like nobody is willing to, let's put it this way, leaders in, in positions of authority in the medical community. And, and I'm talking about psychology, um, school counselors. It, it doesn't matter. It seems like that everyone now is just kind of gone a little crazy and, and, and nobody's willing to tell somebody what they need to hear but rather what they want to hear. How do you feel? Oh, did I lose you? Can you hear me? I lost you for a second there. Okay. Uh, I don't know if your internet cut out or not, um, but it, it's okay. So, so you heard what you heard what I asked. It, it, yes. it, it, and it's, and it's that kind of thing that, that I think that, People are looking for people are looking for someone that is willing to step out and put an end to this. We have laws like AB six six five in California, which allow it's like state sponsored kidnapping. If you have a, a child in Dallas who is identifies as trans and thinks that his mom or dad maybe won't agree, and uh, somebody can literally take that twelve-year-old, I think the the limit the age limit is twelve, taken back to California. California will protect the person who kidnapped the child and brought it there as long as they brought it there to affirm the gender, whatever it is. What is your take on all of this? I mean, all yeah. of this. What, what- so I would probably say that you know, for there are certainly a litany of extreme problems that our country is facing. You you went through it, I think, perfectly. You a very comprehensive discussion about all the problems that we're facing. Uh, I look at it slightly differently. I don't dispute at all about the problems that this country is facing. But what I look at is I see an extraordinary amount of opportunity to do good because things are so bad. If things are so bad, then it's not going, it should not take 
too terribly much to start making a difference. If well, but you'll see the contrast between what absolutely. is in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So that's that's the part of the perspective that I take. And that's actually one of the reasons why I even decided to jump into this race is because with as bad of things with as bad as things are, it's just going to take a few people to put themselves on the line to stand firm and they can make a difference. They can be effective if they want to be and if they're willing to be. And that's exactly the kind of man that I am. Okay. So you, you've seen the situation with Claudine Gay at Harvard and yeah. uh, the, the lady said some absolutely anti-Semitic things while she was testifying in front of Congress. She was unwilling to condemn uh, the things that were going on at the university. And she's, it, it depends on, no, it, it doesn't depend. Everyone saw the, the, uh, the, the video in, in, in the clips uh, that came from that. Um, and now that, now that we're on the other side of that, now she's decided to resign. And now that she's decided to resign, everyone thinks that, or they're trying to flip the script a little bit. And try, try to, to use the DEI approach to why maybe she's no longer in that position. And and it and DEI hires have not been a very good uh, thing for government, or I I don't think they're good in general uh, in in business in any aspect of business. Uh, I, we I saw to see where exactly DEI has uh, ever had any successes in terms of bringing about a larger return on investment. Uh, with regards to businesses, I'm failing to see how this world is a better place because of DEI policies. So I totally it's agree not. with you in regards to that. Yeah, it, it's it's not, and and, and it's it, in a, in a large way, I believe it's completely ignorant because um, you have to ignore all of those things that she said and she did, and then elevate her gender and her skin tone above those things, and then say that's the reason why. It's like you have to completely ignore the the. Uh, the plagiarism you have to ignore the anti-semitic comments and the breaking of the code of conduct of the university and then elevate her race and gender above those things and then look at it that way which is completely unfair um if, if we're being uh uh 100 on the level with mm. one another it, 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 you know the idea that we're all supposed to be colorblind and we're a country of laws we're a constitutional republic um why in the world would you know we need to get rid of DEI? It it needs it needs to go away. And in saying that or stating that is not racist or or nor is it sexist or any of the things that people try to say they are. And I'll give you an example. You remember Erica Marshall put a tweet out in the uh, Biden administration after we got rid of the last systemic racist policy in the United States of America, which was at the College of Missions level. Mm -hmm. And it was very simply stated that if your merit, if you if you get the grades and you put in the work, you get it admitted. It, it's not going to be based on your skin tone or your sex or your uh, where, where your country of origin or any anything like that. It's just simply on your merit. She put out a tweet that said uh, it's unfair because black people will never uh, succeed if if it's based on their merit, essentially. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what she said. Um, Which in and of itself is a racist statement, but never mind that. It's fine. She got kicked off of Twitter. Yeah. Shortly thereafter. And 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 that's and that's the point that I'm trying to make. That in in enforcing these types of policies to make things to level the playing field, what you're doing is creating a new, a new, a new victim. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And that's and you have to you have to you have to steal from someone else to give to someone else. And now what do you do? Kick that down the road 50, 60 years. And now you have new people uh, in this position that are going to do it again and do it again and do it again. It, it just needs to end at some point. And, and that's when, when I you know, when I see people in your position and your ability to get an office to affect change, um, I said to you, I said, you know, why in the hell would you ever? want to subject yourself to the type of scrutiny um, that uh, people in your position are going to be under. Uh, the microscope is real, my friend. It is very real. But your resume speaks for itself. Intelligence, uh, former intelligence officer, Navy, Navy officer, you have one hell of a resume. And uh, so let me ask you this. What are you going to do the day after you're elected, the day after you're sworn in? What, what is your what is your agenda? What do you want to what do you want to affect change at what level? 
the the reason well that you and i spoke about this well, when we were off off screen a little bit earlier usually when people ask why i'm running for congress my usual answer is self-hatred uh mm -hmm. more than anything which which is it goes towards the the, the comment that you made earlier but the the reason why I actually decided to get involved with this and what I want to accomplish, you know, day one uh, in terms of getting into office is when I was on active duty orders up until about six months ago, um, the experience that I had in the military is the, the best way I can describe it is that the military has fallen into institutionalized thinking. And with regards to that, there's so much waste, fraud and abuse that I saw in DOD, and in all honesty, it's not just restricted to DOD. It is government-wide in terms of their spending habits and their notion of uh, they have to spend it or they're going to lose it. Now, what I mean by that, what I saw in DOD was, number one, DOD has no idea where 60% of its $850 billion budget goes. That is $500 billion. That's what's, your, Israel, what's your take that on that? Bigger, that is bigger than Israel's entire GDP. It is an insane amount of money that the, that the Pentagon has no idea where it's spent. Well, now, let's, when, let's harken back to 9-11, right? Yes. $2.3 trillion, uh, according to, um, oh, my God, Secretary of State, was uh, Don, Donald Rumsfeld. Yes. $2.3 trillion, September the 10th. New, uh, he, he put it, he put a, uh, he did a press release. We mm -hmm. can't track $2.3 trillion of funds and through the Pentagon. Yes. Very next day, we all know what took place. Yes. And then it seemed like that investigation into where that where those funds went just kind of went away. It went up in the ether. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of different theories and, and, and whatnot. We don't want to get into that. But how do we stop the waste? How do so, we fix it? Exactly. No, that is a great question. And what's been happening, the reason why we even know that the Pentagon doesn't have any idea where 60% of its budget goes is because back around 2015, a law was passed that said that the Pentagon was going to be audited. Now, since then, every single year that the Pentagon's been audited, it fails that audit. And that's how we even know that that's the case. Now, how to solve that problem, you know, we, the, the funny thing is, is that for a lot of the problems that we're facing, it's not rocket science. We don't have to grow draconian. We don't have to just start taking a, a sledgehammer to things. When it comes to getting DOD's finances in order, it will just require putting requirements into every single commanding officer at whatever level that we think is appropriate, put the requirements on those commanding officers that say, under your command, your command has to pass an audit this year or you don't get promoted. Now, for all of the, the careerists that are in the officer corps that I saw myself that were there, they will that will light a fire under them in order to pass that audit. So at least at the at the very least, we can start seeing where is the money being spent, where is the waste, fraud, and abuse. Where can we cut that waste, fraud, and abuse, and how can we get things back on track? Uh, the so reason why this actually well, the reason this even actually irritated me so much because I could have just thrown my hands up in the air was mm -hmm. one experience that I had was one of my sailors that reported into me had mentioned how he was on food stamps. And I looked into it and I found out there was a report released by the Rand Corporation about a year ago that mentioned that 25%, one in four service members is either on food stamps or food insecure. And so from one that's, end- That's a new, that's a new stat. It, I, had no, I had no idea. It's, no it's idea. Terrible. Well, and it's a national security issue though too, because if those guys get deployed and sent down range to fight in a war and their head is focused on whether or not their spouse and their kids can even eat- that's a, that is a national security issue because their head is not sure in is. the fight. Absolutely. So from one end, I was being told that my guys couldn't eat. And from the other side, I'm seeing how the, the Pentagon is spending wildly. And this no, there was no sense of accountability. That was the actual impetus for me to get involved. So it's accountability. It's Absolutely. accountability we need. It's, 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 it's one thing to identify the problem. But it's another thing to hold someone responsible. And when you start holding people responsible, all of a sudden things, they do start changing. Um, yes. My political hero, uh, Ron Paul, right? That's, that's oh, my yes. guy. I oh, love yes. Ron Paul. Ron Paul, Dr. No, right? I, 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 I understand more about monetary policy and the Constitution due to that man um, than ever. And I just, I, I'm, I just, I was so mad that they gave the nod to Mitt Romney. Uh, extremely yes. angry. I do remember when he ran in 2012. He was a spitfire. He was he never lost a debate. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, the guy was just amazing. I, I, I love Rand, but he's not Ron. That's true. <laughs> uh, he the just doesn't have. He does not have his dad's charisma. But this guy, um, he was his his number one. He said the number one threat to the sovereignty and the security of the United States is our spending. It's our monetary policy. And he constantly appointed politicians to the Fed, audit the Fed, go after the Fed. We know the Fed was ran by Ben Bernanke. Uh, yeah. At one point, and then Ben Bernanke, what ended up on George uh, in George Bush's cabinet, and so we had the fox guarding the hen house. It, it, you know, it, how do we stop that? It, that happens all too often. Um, you get this person knows that person related to that person favor over here. Government is entirely too big, and we, like you said, we don't hold anyone accountable. And like, how how do we get the power back in the hands of the people? Because we've got a government by the government for the government at this point. Yeah, they're trying to take gas stoves out of people's houses for God's sakes. Um, it the overreach of power it, it is just amazing to me, and it seems like nobody is held accountable. Well, I'll, I'll say one one way to solve this problem is by helping me get elected. That is the first <laughs> thing, more than anything. But the reason why I say that is because we need people who are of the mentality that you can't take it with you. No matter what happens to me with regards to getting elected, no matter what I accomplish, no matter what title I have or mm. how much money I end up making, I can't take it with me, right? It comes down to someone who has their priorities straight and is in yeah. it because it's the right thing to do. And that's why, I, that's why I shamelessly will say it starts off by helping me get elected. Absolutely. But it, it really does come down to we need selfless people to be in government because there are not selfless people by any stretch of the imagination. So let's talk about selflessness. So the vote you're 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 sworn into office, and 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 there's a there's a bill before you to uh, enact term limits. How do you vote? Big fan, absolutely, hundred percent, eight days a week. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, because that that to me that to me is, you know, that to me. I mean, we have we have people in Congress that have Senate that that have been there for God decades, and it's. To me, it's they, they, it, it allows them time to get their tentacles out there and allows them time to become compromised and, 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 and then pollute the rest of the, uh, of the political hierarchy as well. And I think that's where we're at, and I think that's why we're there. Um, yes. it's, it's, it's something that definitely, I mean, everyone talks about it. It's been talked about. It's been raved about for years and years and years, but I see nobody uh, willing to step up and, and do anything about it. At least that. Uh, as well as the uh, insider trading and the lobbying that comes out of Congress. Well, so, I, I think with regards to, the, to let's take let's just take the uh, the term limits for example. I think one reason why we haven't gotten more traction with it is because we haven't really had anyone be specific about mm -hmm. what term limits really mean. Now, my plan actually to introduce into Congress and to introduce uh, in in my first day in office is a, a twelve year limit. It is six terms in the House and two terms in the Senate. And my perspective with regards to 12 years is that it's long enough where people can get seniority and they can actually mentor the younger individuals who, who would be elected into there. Mm -hmm. But on the same time, though, too, 12 years is a long time. If you, yeah, can't you have enough time to get some things accomplished. In, I'm sorry, what was that? I said you'd have enough time to get things accomplished exactly. at, at 12 years. Yeah. Exactly. And if you, if you can't get accomplished in 12 years what you wanted to when you set out, then why are you even there? That's my perspective okay. on it. Now, of course, that's all that that's subject to to negotiations and such. There's nothing particularly magical about the year, uh, the, the the number twelve or anything like that. But sure. it's a starting point, and it's being specific and holding people accountable to that. All right. So right now, with, with everything that we have going on, Ukraine, China, going making bold statements about going into Taiwan. You have North Korea uh, telling uh, Kim Jong Un telling his people to get ready for war. Um, he, he makes a lot of statements like that. It's hard to know if he's serious or not, but, uh, he, he's stating it. And then when, when you have everything else that we have going on, we're, we're constantly on the edge of, Oh no, something's going to happen. We don't know what, but something is. And that's, I think a lot of that is because we're constantly bombarded with those types of scenarios. Um, but it, it, at least that's how I used to feel now, you know, it, it is a very real possibility that this is the year that the pendulum completely swings the other way and something we, we really are on the, uh, the precipice of something 
that is not really good for the world. And, and that is a, a war where, I mean, what happens when China goes into Taiwan? Uh, Australia is right there. Australia is going to get involved. They, we are most likely going to get involved. Uh, and then, and then what? And, and then what? How do we, how do we navigate these troubled waters? I mean, what is your take on this and what do we do? And if you were in a position to, to make change or, or affect some type of policy outcome that would be favorable to the world, and it's troubled state right now, what would that look like? So there's a number of different elements to that. Let, let's take it that way. The first thing is, and I agree with you 100%, the, the past three years in particular under the Biden administration has been a litany of catastrophe. And it began just nine months into his term with the fall of Afghanistan. And that gave a green light to any dictator or, or authoritarian around the world that the United States was not going to push back. Fair enough. And, I, you know, I, I am an America first candidate. I believe that we need to take care of our people at home. I, but I also understand, though, that we can't be 100 percent isolationist. So there is still a role that we can play, even if we don't play the foremost role in international politics. Now, having said that, looking at a situation like uh, China, for example, there was a report just a few weeks ago that said that Chairman Xi Jinping told Joe Biden at their last meeting in San Francisco that uh, China will be reunited with Taiwan one way or another, including, if necessary, military uh, action. And the, Joe Biden's response was not particularly reported on. It's unclear what exactly he said to that, but I imagine that it did not uh, dissuade Chairman Xi Jinping too terribly much. Let's put it no. that way. So. Matter of fact, if you remember, Blinken went over to China and 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 threw Taiwan under the bus in an, in an open statement that everyone heard. Essentially, uh, it turned on our ally. I mean, yes. the loyalty it, 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 part of that's got to be due to the fact that he's compromised, though, right? I mean, China knows they paid him. The CCP, I mean, what the the Biden the Biden family has what uh, over thirty million dollars tracked by the IRS into the coffers of uh, Biden Inc., which with twenty shell companies, uh, Awaska, uh, Rosemont, Seneca, one, two, three, all these Numerous different family members. Companies. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and he doesn't sell anything. Uh, it, it, they don't run a, a business. They haven't answered the basic, the very very basic question. Okay, you got all this money. It's not a question of whether or not you got it. Um, but why did you get it? And, yeah. and it's, it's it a very simple question. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that it, goes towards Biden's, not only Biden's corruption, but how Biden is able to, to react to these international mm -hmm. crises, especially with regards to China. And you hit the mm -hmm. nail on the head right there is that the United States under Biden is at one of the weakest points, foreign policy speaking, not, that's not even including domestically speaking and how bad Bidenomics has been. But just internationally speaking, we're at one of the weakest points that we've been certainly in the last 20 years in a post 9-11 world, if not my entire lifetime, for that sure. matter. You know, I'm 35 years old. I mean, you, you know, you, you've seen a lot more uh, of the world than I have in terms of, of, of um, you know, life experience. But I, I would venture to guess that this is certainly one of the weakest points in time that we've had in certainly in my lifetime. And it's it, to me, it definitely is. Um we're we are we're losing our our moral standing in in the world we we used to be viewed as the good guys uh, i don't think people understand what would what would actually take place in the world if the united states were moved removed uh from that position and i think that's exactly what we are uh what we're what we're facing with brick nations and china trying to uh, overthrow the us dollar um it's it's not a it's not a good scenario, and we're we're not we're not out there showing our strength. We're the biggest bullies on the block. There's no well, doubt, but we're yeah. cowtailing to people because we're we're not showing that strength. We've been attacked what 110 times overseas yeah. already right now since this skirmish with uh, Israel and Hamas and or or Palestine has begun, and and yet nothing has happened. Iran has. Uh, admitted uh, openly admitted with Hezbollah that they helped plan this attack on October the 7th and they did it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then they made other statements that basically they're not worried about us. Yep. And a, a lot of that has to do with what, what they've been able to do in the United States. And, and they're making open statements in other countries with immigration and that coming here about the fact that they're just going to colonize the United States. 
They yeah. colonized us long enough. We're going to colonize them now. And well, I, um, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I think one, one thing for expectation management more than anything is mm -hmm. the, the notion we, we as Americans, we, we have this uh, notion that I think is, is a little naive, perhaps, that uh, we can get the world to love us. And I don't believe that's the case at all. And the reason why I say that is because if we compare ourselves to the way that uh, when the British were the most powerful nation in the world back in the 19th century, you know, if you look at any of the manuscripts, any of the diaries, any of the, the documents at the time, the people around the world absolutely loathed the British. But the British actually seemed to like being hated. And we dislike it intensely, though as Americans. And I think, I think that is the price that we pay, though, uh, for being the richest and the most powerful is that people are not going to like us. And we just have to accept that for what it is and still keep our head in the game and know that what we're doing is for the best uh, that we can, the best that we can do. Um, and it's right and it's, it's decent and that's the best that we can do. The, the, the reality of it is, is like I said, we are the biggest bullies on the block. They don't have to like us. Yes. But they, we can definitely... We, we could, if we wanted to, I believe this with all my heart, I believe if we wanted to fix some of these issues, if we wanted to really lean on people, we, we could, but we have it. We've kind of abstained from it. Uh, the things that we see from this administration right now kind of fly in the face of everything that the head of this administration has said in the past. Um, if you ever heard any of Biden's old speeches about how we should have gotten out of Iraq, um, I agreed with him. It's it, it, true. I, I, I can't deny the sky's blue, whether I tell you it is or not. What he said was absolutely fact. We should get the people out before we pull the military out. He said it out of his own mouth. If we don't take the weapons with us when we get out of Iraq, they're going to be used on our grandchildren. All things that he stated, all things that he said. He also said uh, things like, uh, we can't be concerned with how this person grew up or what his problems are in his life if he's beating your grandmother over the head and robbing her. And all, you know, he put more people in jail for cocaine and drugs and things like that. Then a lot of people war on drugs, uh, 94 crime bill, all things that he pushed for and all things that he wanted. But now that he's president and now that he's compromised to the hilt, he used uh, his position to give crack pipes to his constituents. Yeah. That's not a. There's not. He had a tra a topless trans uh, incident at the White House. Cocaine found in the White House. Have you noticed the ever alarming 400,000 cell towers that have gone up in the United States alone? How about the electronics that reside in every room of our homes and Wi-Fi that runs 24-7? 5G cell phones are carried in our pockets hours on end. Common complaints are ringing in the ear, sleep deprivation, palpitations, headaches, memory loss, and so much more. Redemption Shield is on the cutting edge of offering products that protect your family from electromagnetic and micro microwave radiation, from Faraday bags, earthing bed sheets, Wi-Fi router covers, hats, scarves, bed sanctuaries. This will not be going away anytime soon. We will continue to see only faster speeds, 6G, 7G, and more exposure to EMF than any time in our history. Start protecting yourself now. Go to RedemptionShield.com and get grounded and shielded today. Use code PATRIOT and save 10%. Like we're, this is embarrassing. It goes back to accountability. That's it. That's the long and short of it is that there is no accountability in the Biden administration. General Mark Milley, you know, should have been held accountable for what happened in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Very simply, he should have been held accountable for what happened with regards to the COVID vaccine mandate on the mm -hmm. military, which resulted in uh, uh, about 8,500 service members being kicked out because they chose not to get it. He yeah. should have been held accountable for a myriad of different things. But Joe Biden does not hold people accountable. You know, Secretary Pete Buttigieg should have been held accountable for what happened with regards to the TSA last winter. He should have been held accountable for what happened in Ohio with a train derailment uh, a number of months ago. That's a, a that right there. That's a crazy situation. People Those are not people held were... accountable in this administration. That's that is the long and short of why I got involved, and that's exactly what I'm coming to do. So anyone in D.C. that has any sort of issues that they that they are, uh, you know, hiding or that they're not being held accountable for, they better watch out because I'm coming. There it is. That's, that's exactly what we need, my friend. If if we don't have people willing to step out and and and, and 
deal with the be able to be scrutinized and and still just keep up trump is a perfect example of this is the perfect example of this but you know looking at him in the situation that he's gone through and what they're putting him through um should wake a lot of people up and i tell people this all the time and i have a lot of friends that just don't like him like we all have friends that are family members that just orange man bad syndrome is very prevalent uh we still outnumber them but the it is very prevalent and and i tell them all the time is i don't care whether or not you like the guy uh, i love the guy but i don't care whether or not you like him but in seeing what they're doing to him that's you he's just in the way and if they're going to do it to him they're going to do it to you now imagine yes. uh if you don't have the resources that he has and most people don't um imagine what would it, what would happen to you or I then you would never see you or I on the news or we wouldn't have the ability to defend ourselves to the to the to the way that you know the way that Trump is defending himself with lawyers and 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 being able to man listen we would be under the prison it, it, Chapo El Chapo would be our our celly I mean there would there would be nothing that we could do this is what makes most Americans angry. This is why this is why politics has became so divisive. We were talking about it before we came on. It's like um, it, 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 you know, or we talked about it in terms of I said uh, it, it's like political gang banging, right? So you have you have the two you have the two different uh, you, you know, the, the the bloods and the crypts are replaced by the, uh, the 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 Democrats and the Republicans, but it goes much deeper than that. Right. We have RFK, definitely uh, a very sound Democrat and socialist in a lot of ways. And yet the Democrat Party is so radicalized that he has there's no place for him there. So he left. This is this should wake a lot of people up. You have AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Cory Booker, all belonging to the dsa yes and the dsa holds pro hamas rallies why doesn't the government have a an honor code or a code of conduct that would preclude people from being able to hold office while being members of a a a party or, or or an organization that holds rallies for a terrorist group it's, it's it, it, to be to me when I see things like that when I see the protests in particular on campus uh, campuses that are pro Hamas. Let's be honest; these, these are not pro Palestine per se. These are pro Hamas. I don't uh, differentiate and, between the two. Yeah, well, it, it, it's, I'll, I'll make the differentiation, but I, I will go a step further and say they are pro Hamas at this point. Uh, the the fact that they take these positions that they are willing to to call for genocide, and this goes back to your comment about the president of Harvard, the reason why that those videos uh, in front of the the House committee were shown, I believe it was upwards of a billion times, over a billion people around the world watched those, is because the comments were so absolutely stupid. To say that genocide violates a code of conduct is is case-specific, I would love to know what kind of case it, it goes along with it, where it's it, it's it's benign and it's allowed. It, it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it just boggles. Depends the mind. on the circumstance. Exactly, know? exactly. Ellie is just so absolutely stupid coming from the president of what should be or what ostensibly was, you know, the top university in the United States, if not one, you know, one of the top universities in the world. Uh, so for mm-hmm. her to essentially show ignorance like that, or or to show such bad judgment. Um, is just absolutely mind-boggling, but it shows how prevalent and how insidious it's become amongst the left because it's it's really permeated amongst most of the left. You know, you you alluded to this earlier with regards to, to RFK, and I would go a step further and say, you know, if Bill Clinton were to run uh, on the Democratic side today, he would get absolutely eviscerated as some sort of conservative Democrat or a moderate or a sellout. Uh, you know, these the the notion. Yeah, I can see that actually. Believe yeah, it or absolutely. not, I, I, can, I can see that. You know, the question that, that Democrats that I've spoken to never seem to be able to answer is, where is it that the left goes too far? And no Democrat, yeah, I've t- spoken to a number of, of uh, you know, legislators, I've spoken to a number of Democrat activists, none of them can give me a satisfying answer of when the left goes too far. And it's because they're not willing to stand up to the left. 
And that's what I think is the most concerning uh, with regards to this discussion is that there's no sense that they feel the need to even stop them. Well, as a, as a, as a podcaster, as a guy that's trying to get the truth out um, and, and, and I have a, a litany of friends who do what we do, what I do. And, and we all know who each other are. We all, we all have a hand in helping one another out. And uh, we share a lot with one another. And here's the one thing that permeates uh, social media uh, in general podcasting. We need to fix sex, section 230. Yes. This, this has to be, this, this, this is, this is a situation that's more dire than what anyone realizes because what they're doing is on, on, fake book and, and others is they they create an echo chamber and in, in, in a legislate language and they demonetize uh channel. Look at what happened to Matt Walsh. He didn't want to d- refer to Dylan Mulvaney uh, oh, yeah. as a she. And as a result, they demonetized him. Um, this, this shouldn't be allowed, right? This is the section two thirty was set up for the times of the internet when it was message boards. If I would have posted, I believe is when it was passed. We are well overdue for an update at the very least, at the, at the very least, at least an update. Um, these are publicly traded companies. If they weren't publicly traded, I would be like, yeah, I don't like it, but there's nothing that I can do about it. This is their platform this is what they decide to do but the, these are not their platforms the 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 fifth uh, district court decided that the biden administration went too far and 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 shutting people's first amendment down surprise okay, surprise fine fine you yeah. you I, I agree but what about what about facebook what about google what about the rest who do the same thing on a daily basis and there's nothing they can do about it i can tell you if we were to talk about election integrity right now, I would not be able to post this on YouTube. It, it, Unfortunately, it's, it's, I'm it, sure of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I would not be able to post this on YouTube and um, I might get a hit or two on Facebook for misinformation. Um, TikTok, don't even try it. it. It's not even, don't even think about it. It's, it's not going to happen. But let, let, you know what? Talk about TikTok for a second. We so, know yeah. that TikTok As- is a CCP company because every company that operates inside of China is China by mandate. Yes. They have a mandate yes. to spy. Yes. The Joe Rogan some time ago, I'm sure you heard, um, took the time one weekend, I guess he said, uh, to read through the EULA, like who does that? But he did it. And um, as, a, as a technical guy, as a guy who played with computers most of his life um it sounded a lot to me like what the eula was describing was a software clone of devices that were hooked up to it even devices that were on the same network that were hooked up to it and that in itself is danger and it does it goes it goes beyond the first amendment to say um you know we should probably do something about this or ban it um What's your take on TikTok so and, the, it, and, the, and the national security implications, of course? Absolutely. So if, if you remember, for I believe it was about March of last year, uh, when the CEO of, of TikTok uh, sat in front of a, a House uh, investigative committee to answer mm-hmm. questions for them. You know, I watched those committee hearings. I watched what he had to say. I watched his, his reactions to it. Uh, I was on active duty orders at the time, but it was something something that I was particularly interested in because I was, uh, you know, very focused on on the Chinese problem set. And what I noticed from that, and what I've seen in in terms of news reporting, is that I am not satisfied that um, TikTok or its parent company, I believe, is called ByteDance. I don't. I'm not satisfied that that uh, they would be willing or capable of preventing the Chinese Communist Party from inserting coding into nope. uh, their applications that are uh, uh, near impossible, if you will, to, to detect um, with regards to their coding um, mm-hmm. that are designed exactly for what you've, you, you've described. The rumor that I have heard uh, was certainly that um, any device that is connected to the network, as you mentioned, um, could potentially be open 
to, uh, to getting cloned, to be getting access to. Um, and usually that, the reason why that part is important for your, for your viewer's perspective is if your kid, for example, um, has TikTok on their phone and they connect to your home Wi-Fi. Your computer your at home. Your phone is now potentially open to it. Exactly. Yep. And if you work for the government, if you work for, for the police, if you work for the military, you know, you yourself don't have TikTok on it, but it's still got somebody on your network, network does. and you now have been potentially compromised. That is why it is such a dangerous thing. And I absolutely am in favor of, of regulating, if not outright banning TikTok itself. So there was a software, uh, it's been around forever. I mean, is it, is like I said, more more of my technical background. Uh, something that we use in diagnosing issues on networks and things like that. It was a software by the name of uh, SolarWinds. Mm. And and if you're IT related or anything, you're a nerd like me. You know what it is. Um, but it was a Russian piece of software, and as such, it had malware in the software, but no one realized it had malware in it. And it was used widely. Everyone used it. Every IT for most companies used it. And it was on the East Coast, I believe, what, two, three years back, the pipeline got shut down because the software gave these guys a back door into the system, which they used to shut down a gas pipeline. So, you know, it's it's nothing to scoff at. It's it's absolutely nothing nothing at all that, that we want to scoff at. The, the danger is is very, very real. Now, what about AI, my friend? How, how do you, how do you, what do you think uh, about AI? Everyone has their conspiracy theory version of, of AI. And, and, I, and I guess some dangers are, are definitely there. But what's your take on AI? And uh, is it a no or a go? So it is, an, uh, I will say, short answer is it's a new emerging technology that no one is an expert of. Even probably the foremost, I, I would say the closest foremost expert on this is probably going to be someone along the lines of Elon Musk. And even Elon Musk is uh, more than happy to tell you that he is—he doesn't know the entirety of, of, of the capabilities or the risks associated with AI. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it, when it comes to that aspect of it, since no one really understands the entirety of AI and what it's capable of, how to regulate it, how to do anything with regards to it, when it comes for the role of government in this, I certainly don't want someone who, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to Joe Biden, you know, who was born closer to Abraham Lincoln's administration than to his own, I don't think that those types of people are going to be able to solve the problems that we're going to end up facing over the next 30, 40, 50 years with regards to AI. Um, I, no. I think it's going to take, you know, if, if you remember Max it's going, take, Waters, it's going to take someone in your generation exactly. uh, to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you I, remember I, Maxine Waters when she was, when she was, uh, uh, questioning Mark Zuckerberg uh, when he appeared before a, a House committee, she asked for her copy of the Facebook. You know, it's, I don't have a whole lot of faith. I don't have. A yeah, whole I remember lot of faith George Bush called it the Google. Draw. Yeah, he's not going to be able to draw up uh, so any semblance of of useful legislation uh, regarding Facebook if you're asking for your copy of the Facebook. Um, so that's my mentality with regards to AI. It's it's a new emerging technology. I think we need to be very cautious with regards to it. Um, the the the, the uh, danger that I see with regards to it is even if we end up putting safeguards onto AI, for example, uh, you know, the Chinese and the Russians in particular are more than happy. They view it as kind of like the 21st century of the space race. So they may not put any guardrails onto their version of AI. And so it becomes a very dangerous situation indeed. And it's something that we have to proceed very cautiously uh, towards. Those guardrails are very easily removed. Exactly. I've, uh, I've done it myself. It's not very hard to prompt AI in such a way to manipulate it into removing its own guards. It's very well, easy. I don't think, you know, for, for as technologically savvy as our society has become and for as technologically advanced as we've become, I'm not confident that we've become morally advanced or ethically advanced enough. No, we're devolving. With regards to that, exactly. And you know, it comes comes back to you know, we've had nuclear weapons for the past 70, 80 or so years. I did my PhD studies at King's College in London um, in in nuclear war strategy. But it, it, the, we had you know d destructive technologies you know for the better part of eighty years. And I think it's by pure happenstance and luck more than anything mm -hmm. that we haven't absolutely destroyed ourselves. You know, just imagine if there is a a non-biological non sentient um, artificial intelligence that, that you know, we can't have any semblance of control over. It's a very dangerous situation indeed.
speaking of biological non let's talk about the the uaps and and that sort of you had to be under a rock if you well, didn't that's an see interesting segue into this okay yes yeah yeah i mean you, you just, it, i don't know why but it just it, it popped in my head when you said that but yes, yes so um we had people that were in charge of these programs that testified before Congress in a whistleblower session and said the quiet part out loud. Yes. What is your take on this? So uh, I have to be a little bit careful about what I say because I really like not being in prison. Uh, and I really like <laughs> not showing, I really like not revealing any, any So were you affiliated by. with any one of these programs? I can neither confirm nor deny I'm gonna that. Take it. I, I'm going to take a, that as a yes. I okay. can say that I am aware of the reports that the gentleman was referring to. And mm-hmm. what I can say is that I have no reason to doubt his testimony. Now, having said what that. What is the dangers then? Because he described some seriously dangerous situations. I mean, he described one craft uh, as being the size of a football field. Yes. So I, I, I want to be uh, slightly careful with regards to what I'm saying on this, partially because um, based on his testimony that I that I, you know, if memory serves, he had mentioned how he had not personally seen any of the biological entities. He's seen paperwork with regards to it. He's seen reports. He's talked to individuals who did. Um, so he was mostly an investigator um, regarding this situation. I don't know how much interaction he had firsthand with the equipment and the potential, you know, life forms, if you will, um, mm-hmm. that he w- was describing. Uh, I, I would have to go back and take a look at the testimony that he gave. But just based off of the reports that he was describing, um, I have no reason to doubt what he said. Uh, and the reason why Congress was even getting involved in this is because, according to this whistleblower, is that he had mentioned how so much of this is actually being withheld from Congress. And the one of the main jobs, if you will, other than voting on legislation, you know, for a congressman is to investigate and to hold gov- uh, executive branch uh, individuals accountable for their actions. Uh, so if, if the executive branch is withholding information from Congress, that is certainly a extraordinarily uh, important detail that Congress would certainly want to be interested in finding more out of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously one of the most interesting subjects that there are. Uh, out there for sure. I, I mean, when more interested, I was actually more surprised by how little coverage it really got and how little interest there seemed to be amongst the general population. Uh, mm. Once that testimony was made, it got some, but I was interested. I, I, I think a little bit bigger. So my dad, my dad, I'm native, right? My, my dad's this, you know, my his whole life. I growing up, and he he would always tell me they're real, they're real, and um, you know, we're just we'd humor him, um, and you know, he missed it. <laughs> he missed it. And, uh, it's, it's wild to me, you know, I'm in Nevada, right? So, um, it, it, it's, it's known for that kind of sort of thing. And, and, uh, people, people always wonder, uh, about these things and, and they were pushing for disclosure for years and years and years, Stephen Greer, Art Bell, George Norrie, everyone knows about coast to coast and we all love tuning in, but it seemed to me, whatever position the government takes on any particular thing that the people in the public seem to take, uh, the opposing position, the government's like UFOs are not real. They're not real. They're not real. And people are like, they're real. And the government goes, UFOs are real. And people go, they're not real. It's a trick. <laughs> so whatever position government takes, people take, the opposing position it's it's just it, it's a very strange thing but it was it was a very neat uh, uh thing to hear and see and and it was definitely historic for those of us who are paying attention um very historic for those of us paying attention but it being so you're you're a military guy and uh w- one of the things that i think that we face that's very um uh, it's a, it's a it's a problem. It's a huge problem. Is the uh, it, it, the recruitment issue with uh, within the military, and and how do we and and and, and the fact that the wokeness has seemingly spread to the military, and the in the in the accountability issue that we we were uh, part of on that space, uh, which I did a, a live yesterday with Nate Kane. About if those of you guys that haven't seen it, go watch that. Uh, the military accountability uh, disclosure issue is is it's huge. Um, there. Were, yeah, how many people were there total that put that document together? Uh, the document you referred to for the the COVID nineteen vaccine mandate. Correct. There were uh, two hundred and thirty two of us that that signed this document. 
uh, calling mm -hmm. for accountability amongst the highest echelons of the Pentagon. Where does that go to from here? So uh, right now it is about getting as much um, uh, exposure more than anything to, to make the public aware that no one in the Pentagon was held accountable for this. No one in the Pentagon was held accountable for forcing a mandate that was arguably unconstitutional on the, and, and by all means, illegal, on the service members. Sorry? Yeah. Inhumane. Inhumane, absolutely. Yeah, I, the fact that the Pentagon, I believe they turned down almost all of the 36,000 um, religious exemption applications. Almost every single one of them was denied, and it resulted in about 8,400 service members. These are good men and women who wanted to Some do Some very job. close to their pensions. Absolutely, so. absolutely. You know, that, that kind of uh, mentality certainly puts a chill on uh, regular everyday service members who are just trying to do their jobs, that if they are going to be, you know, thrown out um, just because they want to practice, whether it be their religion or they just honestly don't think that that taking a vaccine is going to be for their particular health. You know, it, it's 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 astonishing that once again, you know, the Pentagon hasn't had any accountability with regards to it. The White House certainly hasn't held anyone to account uh, with regards to this. And so the purpose of this was to certainly raise awareness. And it was also to say because to, it was directed, actually, at the, the Joint Chiefs. It was, it was sent to them specifically back on Monday. Um, so this was directed to the military um, top brass, uh, and, and it was sent out to you know, the general public for them to be aware that this happened and that this is still going on uh, and that no one has been held accountable for it. Well, my, my family uh, definitely bore the brunt of the mandate. My wife it, it had, has a vaccine injury that she... That she uh, she can no longer hear out of her right ear. She's completely deaf. And this happened after the, uh, the second shot. I'm, I'm not, I'm not participating. I don't, I didn't get it. Uh, she happens to be in the medical field. So, um, it was emergency use authorization only. She was still forced to get it in order to retain her employment. And, um, so, you know, she, we, we tried to, uh, get her treatment for it and it turns out she needs a specific type of hearing aid um in order to fix you know what the, the, what happened and um the insurance companies refused to pay for that because they said it was under emergency use authorization and will not allow for the waiver so thousands and thousands of dollars have to be spent to come out of pocket because they said it was her choice to do so because it was emergency use authorization. You can't sue the drug company. You can't sue the insurance company. You can't sue the government. I mean, regular people, um, they're, they're, they're suffering. We know this vaccine has done damage. And um, I'm, I'm just nervous about anything. They want to give you, you know, free donuts and pay you to take. And, and meanwhile, there are people out there that, you know, are going broke because they have cancer, but they, they'll force... I mean, they'll pay for you to get this, but you can't get, you know, anything else. Like no diabetic drugs, no anything else. But here, take this vaccine. Take it, take it, take it. Or if you and, remember when the CDC mentioned how the best way to prepare for hurricane season was by getting the COVID getting vaccinated. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's sad. But, you know, we had we've we, the there was a study that came out by um, the Horowitz group and um and it, and it showed that males 18 to 39 had an, an extreme, like 80, 90% increased risk of myocarditis just by getting uh, this vaccine. And we know that the MRA, M mRNA technology, uh, by, by the person who helped develop the mRNA technology, whom I had a great conversation uh, with, and Peter McCullough, and he said, um, he said that, you know, in the early stages of when they were testing the mRNA technology, uh, they there were several uh, test subjects, animals and things like that, with, where they tested it on all of the lifespan of, of those animals were all significantly decreased uh, after those tests. And these and these people were all Kerry Mollusk, uh, Peter McCullough. All of these people were all stifled. They were all silenced. Uh, Christine Northrup. All their accounts were deleted. They didn't allow open uh, discussion about this, and seemingly still, they're they're still not. They're still pushing the, the this drug and this mandate, and we still don't have the information that we should have. And the CDC 
went against its own guidance by not allowing the 10 years and the, and the millions of dollars of research necessary uh, to actually approve the drug, but rather did it based on political uh, pressure because they figured people would feel safer uh, if it weren't just an emergency use authorization, but rather if it was actually approved by the, uh, the FDA. So yeah. what, I, what do we do called- about these people? Well, I, one of the, th- the first thing is, that I would like to, to mention is that I have called for as soon as I get into office to rescind uh, the authorization for the COVID vaccine based off of the amount of questions and the security aspect of it for people's health that it is caused. Just pulling that from the market so it shouldn't be sold or used anymore at this point. And to be honest, I mean, I believe it should be pulled just for the very sake of if this is marketing itself as a vaccine, and yet it can the vaccine can still be tra- or excuse me the the disease can still be transmitted uh, uh, despite the fact that you have the vaccine. It just does not work as a product, so it should be pulled. And the just people for that. being hospitalized, by and large, were all vaccinated. Exactly, exactly. Just based off of the fact that it doesn't seem to work as an actual vaccine. Uh, it should be pulled from the market just on that basis alone, let alone all of the safety features surrounding it. So I've called for the removal of it from um, authorization just based off of that alone. So that's the first thing that we can do with regards to the other aspects that you're mentioning in terms of once again, you know, the sad thing is, is it's coming back once again to accountability. It's all it is about holding people accountable for the actions that they took. It is we know says, now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it is simple. That is that is the long and short of it. They need to answer for the choices that they made and the people's lives that they affected for good or for ill. You know, and that's the sad thing is that people are not willing to give an account for the actions mm-hmm. that they've taken and stand by them. Rand Paul, um, Rand Paul, uh, basically had proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that uh, I believe that uh, uh, Tony Fauci should definitely be prosecuted and then come to find out that he was working with the CIA as well. Um, That was a bombshell to me. And it seems like you hear about it on specific news networks, not on others. And then it's played down and then it disappears into the ether. Like we told you guys, and, and that's, that's enough, but we know now that the masks were never, they, they didn't work. The, 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 the virus uh, was so minuscule, so small that it would go right through cloth masks, even if you're wearing up to 10 masks. I it, mean, was it, based, it was based on pure conjecture and it was sold to us as the science. Right. Absolutely ridiculous. And then words became, you know, murder and, and all the other BS they tried to, to, to shovel us. Or where and, the CDC allowed for uh, BLM protests in the summer of 2020 because apparently racial justice was worth breaking COVID lockdowns for. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's sad, but let's talk a, a bit about social justice and and the George Floyd uh, scenario. Um, it, it came back in the news recently. Do you follow uh, any of the Tucker Carlson reports? And I, and I do. I'm, I'm familiar with uh, with the gentleman was uh, recently stabbed in prison a number of times. So you you are you're probably um, you're probably aware of the the allegations made by him not long ago uh, stating that the coroner came out and basically made statements in in a legal uh, you know she signed an affidavit to the best of my knowledge that um, that he wasn't murdered and yet the appeal for uh, Derek Chauvin was denied. Um, it seemed to me like some very political cowardice uh, going on because right and wrong uh, in this instance did not trump right and left. And it should in every instance, right and wrong should trump right and left because this guy is being thrown to the wolves. And I'm not protecting this guy. I think that video speaks for itself. Uh, whether or not he kneeled it on his neck in, in, the, in the story that they tried to, to feed us was true or not. Um, that that's beside the point. I think that what what the guy did was very cruel. I don't think that he should ever be in a position of authority ever again. I I I I I think that he's definitely not a good human being. Period. But did he murder uh, George Floyd? And and I have to say, based on the information that we now have, um, that he didn't. And and the fact that we know that now, based on medical documentation. And and testimony that was given, um, we should we should as a people 
care enough to do the right thing. And the right thing would be to free an innocent man from prison and stop deifying a man, George Floyd, who uh, was not necessarily, he was not a good man. He was, he was, he was, he was a bad human being. Um, and he was used as a martyr uh, for this con job done on the country by members of BLM who just enriched themselves off of their people's backs and didn't give back to their own communities. Um, people lost their livelihoods, stores, everything else when this all took place. And they didn't go back into those communities and rebuild those stores and, and do those things. But, um, you know, how do we, how do we take a, a nation that's fractured and broken um, by these types of things and, and, and bring people back together again? How do we, how do we heal those wounds and, and, and bring the United States back to being united? How do we do that? Sure. Uh, I'll just address one aspect to it because this is a a topic that's near and dear to my heart because my brother um, is a cop. And, and so from my perspective, the way that the police and first responders were treated in the immediate aftermath um, of the BLM protests and riots and such uh, is absolutely disgusting um, from what I saw that my brother had to go through as a police officer. And, and so for me, you know, running for Congress, you know, my mantra uh, with regards to this is that I defend our police and first responders. I don't defund them. And, and yeah. that's, that's the thing that, that really cut to the quick for me is, is all of these calls for, for cutting funding to police. I mean, these are, these are men and women who, you know, they may never know what your name is and they are more than happy to, to put their, their lives on the line, you know, to put themselves in front of you so that you can get away. I mean, the, the, the way that they were treated, um, absolutely disgusting, absolutely disgusting. And, so, yeah, and I, but yeah. very political though, because the, the, the overreach of power, they said Jacob Blake was shot was an overreach of power. Brittany, Brittany Taylor, overreach of power. Um, all these things where we want to remove qualified immunity. We want to do all the, they were very vocal about this, but when it came time for them to use that same type of rhetoric in, in the instance with Michael Byrd and Ashley Babbitt crickets, and then Michael Byrd got a promotion to captain. Um, it, it's, it's, it, there's a big contrast and in the contrast, uh, seems to be more political, uh, than it does, uh, right. Once again, right and wrong needs to Trump right and left. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you look at situations like that, um, you know, it, it has to anger you. Yes. You, you say you have a family member who is a police officer. Yes. You had these conversations with him, obviously. How, do, how what, what does he think about these types of things? He, you know, he, God love him for it. He tries his best to let it roll off his back. Uh, and mm-hmm. he just keeps his head in it. And he, he does the job that he loves to do. And, you know, that's that's the thing that, that impressed me so much um, is because despite the how horribly he was treated by some people, um, a lot of other people, thankfully, were, were extraordinarily grateful for him. So, you know, I'm, you know, my brother is a little bit of a hero of mine for, for that. I mean, he really had to go through a whole lot. Um, and my sister in law, I know she was she was worried to death about, you know, him sending him off to work in the morning and whether or not he would come home in the evening. Um, so, I mean, what they go through is just, and, and the fact that he still had, had his head held up high and he loved, he loves the job that he's doing, you know, it's mm-hmm. God love him for it. Absolutely. Is he, is he in, uh, an officer in the state that you're running in? Said, no, yeah, my brother lives in a different state. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, okay. yeah, it's a, he's, uh, he, he's, he's a great inspiration for me. Absolutely. Hopefully he's not in a dim ran city. That's <laughs> Uh, that, oh, that, man. I'll, let him, I'll let him answer that one. Yeah. Oh man. I, uh, you know, let I'll pray for him. Um, yeah. so w- with that, I mean, we, we've touched a little bit of everything. If you do you have a message that you want to give, uh, something that you want to say to the people, make your pitch, my friend. Absolutely. So I, I want to thank you first off for, for even having me on here. You know, as Pleasure. part of my run for Congress, you know, as a former intelligence officer, my, entire slogan is send intelligence to dc and within that it comes down to accountability we haven't had accountability and we haven't been putting america first 
That is exactly what this country needs. That is exactly what I am going to deliver. I have the experience. I've got the passion. I've got the energy to do so. Being 35 years old, I've had a wonderful career. And, you know, I learned how to deal with these sorts of people. I'm going to be your greatest champion in Washington. I would love to have your support. I would love to have your vote for any of you who live in the 13th district in North Carolina. Uh, you can visit my website at votemjs.com. And you can find me on Twitter at votemjs and Facebook at Matt Shoemaker for Congress. I will have all of those links in the, in the description of the video, guys, for anyone that wants to support Matt. Um, go down there, look for those links. It would definitely make a way for him to do that. And hopefully, uh, Matt, I would love to have you on after you win, my friend. And, uh, or even, even before we'll we'll just check it out. I would, I would love to you, um, Nate Kane, uh, guys that speak with the, um, the, the kind of passion that you do with the American first ideology. Uh, you know, I hope every one of you guys, uh, obtain the office to which you seek. And um, I, I just wish you nothing but the best. So uh, as usual, uh, and this is how I sign off every time, the silent majority, you need to stop being silent. Stand your ground. We'll see you next time on the Patriots Prayer Podcast. You guys have a great day. Under attack, they banned us, they canceled us for speaking the facts. If you man enough, come stand with us, take USA If you man enough, come see.